Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Able Voices podcast. Able Voices is a podcast spotlighting disabled artists of all disciplines. My name is Grace Everett. I am currently guest hosting. I am an autistic self-advocate, actress, and playwright, and I am so honored to be talking to the absolutely lovely Grace Douglas today. We got two Graces on the podcast, so that's how you know it's about to be a really good episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, name, pronouns, if you want to share, like what you do, who you are, cool stuff. I don't know. Whatever you got. Sure. So my name is also Grace. I'm Grace Douglas. Uh, I use she, her pronouns, and I am currently a freshman at Southern Illinois University, obtaining my BFA in musical theater. Um, And I am also blind. So I do things on the performance side. I do some stuff on the tech side, pretty much anywhere where I'm useful. Um, and of course, advocating for anybody and everybody that I can. Awesome. So uh, I definitely want to hear a little bit about just like how you feel like your experiences as a blind performer might differ from a fully sighted one. What What do you have about that that you feel like people might want to know? Sure. So to get into that, um, I want to give you a little bit of background onto my visual journey, we'll say. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So (laughs) I've been visually impaired my entire life. I was diagnosed with nystagmus at about three weeks old, which is the movement of the eyes. They pretty much shake involuntarily back and forth. Uh, And then in around February, February, Marches of 2020, of course it was 2020, uh, (laughs) that is when (laughs) my vision started to decrease a little bit. Um, And by a little bit, I mean a lot. Uh, <laughs> and so from there, I was actually diagnosed with seesaw nystagmus, which is just a different way that the eyes move. It's more rare, so they don't know as much about it. Uh, and we also discovered that there's some other underlying condition that is going along with the vision loss. So this is not generally new, but the degree to my vision loss is a little bit on the new side. So I've had experience being somebody in theater that has more sight and somebody in theater that doesn't have a lot of sight. Uh, My personal vision changes just about hour to hour. So that makes it a little difficult and interesting because I'll be on stage one day and I'm like, oh, this is fine. And then I'm on the next and I'm like, oh, so the lights are blinding me right now. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And so that has kind of altered my relationship with theater a little bit uh, because I started performing I uh, my first role was like baby Jesus so you know that gives you some idea <laughs> but the way that I approach things has altered the past few years uh, because it had to and so like I walk the stage every single time every single opportunity that I get uh, and you should walk the stage anyway but for me it's both to get into character but also for safety reasons yeah so what else uh, What else kind of has impacted your journey as a performer regarding the development of your disability and really coming into the identity of a performer with a disability? How's that been? Yeah, so it actually, it took me, I want to say it was this year in around November that I started to actually embrace and accept the fact that I am a disabled performer. Uh, prior to that, like even even in my wild card from auditioning for colleges last year, I was telling people that like, yes, I am blind, but also I can do everything just the same as everybody else. Well, no, okay, I can do everything everybody else does, but I do it differently, and that's perfectly okay. 
And so that took me a while to accept because you you have to be able to accept your disability and accept yourself as a person and those go hand in hand. Uh, and so that's kind of a, a difficult process that I think I personally struggled with for a while and I'm still coming to terms with. Yeah. So I can imagine as a performer, you are always stepping into the shoes of different characters. How does your blindness carry over or not carry over into the different roles that you portray? Oh, see this, this, I love this question. <laughs> so I typically do not use a cane or a guide dog on stage. Um, and I say typically because this changed as of recent. And so what I end up doing is through learning everybody else's blocking along with myself and also figuring out how to track them during rehearsal. My mobility aid specialist actually saw me when I was in Adam's family in May. And after the show, he was a little bit astonished because he, he was like, I wouldn't have known <laughs> uh, just watching you perform. And so it's 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 interesting because there's people that see me and then they see me after the show and I'm like using a cane and they're like, that's the same person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of work. And I, I know that I'm doing a different type of work because most of the time. I do not blend that over as of right now. Now, I'm currently a swing for Southern Illinois University's production of The Mousetrap. And there was an opportunity where I stepped in for a character. We had a COVID outbreak. It was a whole thing. I stepped in for a character. <laughs> and we had just got on set. And so I was using my cane during it. Now it was just Q to Q, so it was fine. But I was using my cane during it. And I was like, oh, this is this feels different. And it because it is different. I know that should I go on stage and I have my cane with me, that that's something the audience is going to think about. Um, and so then you kind of get into, well, do I make this a choice? Is this a part of the character? And if it is, how does it affect them? Because they they don't need to be standing up there being like, oh, yes, I'm blind. And also, I'm going to go to the market today. No, it can just be, I'm going to the market today. Write <laughs> a play. That is the most brilliant line I've ever heard. I am blind, and I'm going to the market today. <laughs> yeah. That's like an <laughs> SNL sketch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that something that you would ever be interested in, potentially, like, creating your own work to embrace characters with vision loss or just disabled characters in general? Oh, 100%. 100%. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is something that honestly needs to happen because, I mean, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly getting new material, like, thrown into my face as well as discovering. But I have not come across many characters that are visually impaired or blind that are three-dimensional or that even are correctly representative because <laughs> we often still get like the stereotypical hollywood you're putting your hand out to feel things and walking up to people and feeling their faces which no no that's not true <laughs> it's not correct like that one scene at least from in Christmas my story <laughs> yes yeah um i also like think of daredevil which typically isn't too bad I personally love Daredevil, but there's like one scene in particular where they're feeling faces and I'm like, oh, please stop. <laughs> Noted. That's not something you do. No. <laughs> See, and I'm learning too. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's proof that there's just not enough media about it out there. Because I was right. like, yeah, that seems legit. 
Yeah, and that's that's the other thing is like typically when I work with a new person, whether they say it out loud or not, there's a good chance I'm the first actress that they've worked with that's blind or visually impaired. And so I'm typically a teaching moment for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're the first that I've met. I have had friends who are like legally blind, but still can see with like some really thick glasses. Mm -hmm. But you are the first one that I've met who actively like uses a mobility aid and who is like really coming into that identity, which yeah. I think is really cool. And I love, I love learning from you about that. Yeah. And I like that. That is the other thing too, is, is you know, theater is a very networky type of world. Uh, you can know somebody from a, a school that's all the way across the country just through like three other people. And for a while, I haven't done this recently, but for a while, every workshop or every sort of masterclass I did, I would ask the teacher like, hey, do you happen to know somebody who is visually impaired or blind in theater? Because honestly, it, it like, you know, having a disability can seem isolating, but going into an industry where you just like don't see yourself at all is also very isolating. So it's like, I just want a mentor or something like that. And through doing that, I have found nobody, but <laughs> through social media, I found, I believe her name is Shayla Brown. She was just in the movie Women Talking and she has a guide dog. She's blind and I have reached out to her. I haven't heard anything back yet, but I've reached out to her and I'm really hoping that we can like make some sort of connection because there's just so much that almost nobody has an answer to because it's something you have to experience, you know? Yeah. I, I really love that idea of just like finding community with mm -hmm. people that have that shared experience. So I know that you're in college right now. Yes, How's that going? How's that experience being in an educational theater program as a disabled performer? What's that like? Yeah. So it is very eye-opening. I think that's, that's a good word for it. I personally, I think of dance, my relationship with dance, because uh, that's been a little rocky, we'll say. I took some, some classes previously uh, in a college setting that were involving dance, and they were not quite as welcoming to figuring out a way to teach me. Because I, I, I stay in the front of the class, and that's how I'm able to make out some of the teacher's movements, and you also have to communicate with them, hey, I need you to be as verbal as possible, and you might have to give me some corrections because there's a good chance I'll interpret something wrong. <laughs> um, and there's just been experiences in the past where I was put in a corner and had to do the exact same moves for like half a semester because the teacher just didn't know what to do with me. But here at Southern Illinois University, we have the wonderful Matthew Carl Williams, who is an excellent professor, teacher, mentor, all, all of them. And along with Daryl Clark, who's our other professor in dance right now, they both have been wonderful with finding different ways to teach me because it is different. <laughs> and because it has been different my entire life, I'm honestly behind. Uh, and so they've been really wonderful of communicating and asking, hey, is this okay if we try things this way for a while or try to problem solve one way or another? For ballet, I typically, it was my professor, Matt, he would be like right next to me at the bar. And I got decently good at memorizing what was going on. Uh, and when I did it, he'd be giving 
some sort of verbal correction as well. So he he's a really good example of what you can do to make it easier on blind dancers. See, that's admirable because I am the one who always forgets the combination. So already <laughs> I'm like, I'm jealous of you. Oh, but when I do forget it, oh, it's out the window. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. It's okay. Happens to the best of us. <laughs> so what uh, what stuff are you currently working on outside of your education? Have you been, you know, auditioning a lot? Have you been working on the development of anything new? What's that been like? Yeah, so I, I've been taking some time to personally address uh, some, like, mental health issues along with, again, accepting the fact that this is my life and how do I adapt to it? But uh, I've on the like artistic side of things, I have been working on like summer stock auditions and getting my performance reels along with technical reels together because I really like sound design and sound technology. So I'm, you know, floating around in the performance world and also tech world because both are awesome. And then it's so funny. It feels like I'm living a double life. I'm like Hannah Montana because I like I'm a sound person and then I'm a performer and then I float back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> so mostly working on summer stock, working on figuring out what is a good routine for me? How can I approach material in a way that works for me? Um, and I mean, I'm always open to any new material, any any new projects, especially if it is something that I can help represent the blind community in. I'm keeping in touch with you. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the odds are that I'm ever going to write a blind character, but if yeah. I do, yeah. you got my number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this might be kind of a weird question, but you've got me curious now. Do you think that having lower vision might potentially make it easier or more interesting for you to design sound? Yeah, uh, I think that that is true. Uh, I don't want to like lean into the stereotype that people that lose one sense have a an heightened sense in the other because I frankly scientifically do not know if that is true but in my personal experience <laughs> which I can only speak for I started working on sound technology relatively around winter time last year I was able to I was the assistant soundboard operator in a show and the person who was mixing kind of spoke with me a little bit about the process of what he was doing and towards the end of our run I was like I think he's gonna move the fader on this and then he did and so was, I was able to put the pieces together of okay so this is how this is supposed to work and now I'm taking a sound design class and I'm like oh I really really like this and things make sense to me uh, and one of my professors had actually mentioned he's like you're picking up on little details that typically somebody doesn't and I think that honestly is why, because somebody walks up to me and I personally am like, oh, so I know who this is based off of their breathing and footsteps. It's creepy. I know. Uh, <laughs> no, it's cool. It, I mean, it is, but it's also like, hey, and they're like, I did not tell you I'm here yet. <laughs> but uh, there's little things that like, yeah, I, I do pick up on that. Somebody else who's sighted might not. Nice. That, that, that's really cool. I that is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so as a college student, um, are you are you enrolled in your school's disability services? Have you yeah. are you involved with them? How has that been advocating for yourself in a classroom environment? This school in particular, because uh, I, I did CCP dual enrollment, whatever you call it, 
uh, throughout high school and I was interacting on a college campus as opposed to on my high school going through college. So I've been doing the, the college advocating thing for a while. And it's interesting to really see the difference between different disabilities offices, offices, but <laughs> because some of them, to put it politely in a way that's not polite at all, do not do their jobs. Uh, I know. And, <laughs> and you, that is honestly where I think that it's the most frustrating, but where you really learn how to advocate for yourself because you're not always going to have a disabilities office. Um, and unfortunately, that might put you in some circumstances that are not wonderful. But having somebody there on campus is a tiny bit comforting. Whether or not they really do their job, that that I can't speak for. That varies so much, uh, even year to year. <laughs> but having somebody here that you can at least copy in on an email to verify, like, yes i do have this disability which is something that i have had to prove before <laughs> that is nice yeah uh, believe it or not there there's been people that are like no she's faking it and i'm like okay so why would somebody fake this also i'm clearly not <laughs> but copying just the disabilities office on there and i'm saying yeah we have the medical records sometimes that's enough yeah but i hate that that is not uh an original experience yeah like the the whole oh she's faking it or like oh uh -huh. that's not it can't uh, be as as big of a deal as you're making it into <laughs> and a part of that is going back to the general public is just not educated because just like almost anything blindness is a spectrum uh and like i'm able to read super large text so somebody sees that they see me like looking at my phone granted my phone's like two inches from my face but it's i'm still looking at it they're like oh no she's not blind and then when i first started using my my cane i i had more vision oh this is so terrible but i'm gonna tell the story anyway so i had more vision <laughs> than i do now and i could generally tell when people were staring at me and so if it was like an adult i typically didn't do this with kids because kids don't know better but if it was an adult they were like very obviously staring at me I'd like turn my head and purposely stare in their direction you know just to freak them out a little tiny bit <laughs> I can't do that anymore but like I know I know they're staring I think there's nothing terrible about that I think it's a power move it's like a fun little game <laughs> so Speaking of, of staring, weird comments, this, this is a question that always just intrigues me a lot. Uh, Has anybody ever said something that is just like so out of pocket, so off the wall that you just do a double take and you're like, did you really just ask me that? Oh, geez. Um, so there was this, the dating world for somebody who is blind or visually impaired is really odd, really odd. And there's a lot of questions that go along with that. There was one person, and th this is like why this is an example why we shouldn't do online dating. And I haven't really done much since. I was just like, oh, this took me back because there's not many comments that do. But this person had said something like, so is that just like exciting for you in the bedroom? And I'm like, excuse me? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> It's just very out of pocket. 
how long have you known this person for? Like oh, a couple this days was like, at this point? Not even. Not even. Because I typically, like, if I do have an online profile, I'd specify, like, yeah, I'm blind. Because, the, you know, it's something where it's like, okay, do I tell them? Do I not? If I don't, then we're going to have a lot of awkward questions. So it's typically, for me at least, I choose to put that up front. Which then, you know, leads to some interesting questions. <laughs> Hi. There's there's not much more you can do than just laugh and be like, okay, uh, so that's not how this works, but interesting thought. <laughs> but I mean, out, outside of that, of course, I get the question of like, how many fingers am I holding up? And, you know, real it, original. <laughs> it, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's typically like, if I wrote down the general questions that I get, and I'm hesitant to say questions, because most of the time it's innocent, but you know, there's, there's the few people that are like, being real creative. <laughs> it's typically like a solid five, six questions that are just cycled through. And the ones that are trying to be funny, like they're typically the exact same stuff. But I, I did have a very interesting experience the other day, which is a little bit like more, I don't know, safe for work than the other example. Uh, <laughs> I, I was on TikTok as one does. And there was a video of somebody changing the different cane tips for the different textures that you might use them for. And I commented, hey, can you make an instructional video on how to change cane tip? Because I've had mine for four years and it's had the exact same tip on it and it's it's dull. It's on its last leg. And the person made a video responding. My comment got a little bit of traction because they're like, well, if you're blind, how are you using TikTok? How are you commenting on this? Somebody commented, oh, we see you reading text, so obviously you're not blind. Also, you're playing piano in one of your videos, so that means you're not blind. I read that comment. I was like, oh, that I think is an original comment. <laughs> you're playing music, so your disability is fake. Right. And your sight-related like... disability is fake because <laughs> you are playing music. And, you know, it's not like there's plenty of musicians that are blind i mean apparently they've never heard of ray charles or stevie wonder or art tatum like there's just there's a wide variety if you just did a quick google so many people would pop up and i i typically like don't respond to this type of stuff uh, and if i do it's like attempting to be educational <laughs> and, but that comment just kind of it made me think, it made me really rethink what the general public knows. <laughs> and I responded, like, with a video that, was, I don't know, it was, like, from Shit's Creek saying, like, well, this was interesting. It was one of David's quotes. I don't remember exactly. And that person commented on my video saying, well, this proves it. This proves you're not blind. And so there's some people who are just like, okay, we've tried. Uh, it was one of my friends also, like, copied a link to some website that was saying, this is what blindness can be it's a spectrum you know all of the the correct educational stuff but there's just you know the trolls on the internet they're not really there to learn sometimes and this person really wasn't there to learn <laughs> but it does make me giggle and so if that's what i can get out of it awesome <laughs> good yeah you know some people some people just are not open to learning and that's on yeah. them yeah so but for for those of us who are especially mm -hmm. 
disabled artists out there of, of all types of disabilities, but especially visually impaired performers, artists, musicians, whatever. Do you have any advice that you would want to share? Oh, yes. So I'm going to frame that as to like advice that I would give myself a few years ago. Just know that even though it seems like you're alone, you're not. Because statistically, there has to be more people out there. And I mean, throughout the years, even if it is one or two people that I have found, that's still somebody else. Um, and keep doing the research, keep looking for people and reach out because you will find a mentor and it will be okay. Uh, the moments that feel isolating are valid and you're allowed to feel those, but just know that you are absolutely not alone in this. And it's going to involve a lot of discovery, a lot of feeling what is correct, what is not correct, a lot of trial and error, and it's completely okay to fail. <laughs> and to love yourself throughout the whole process, because this is a part of you, but it does not define you. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> so for anybody who is interested in continuing to follow your journey, do you have any websites, social media, anywhere that people can... Uh continue to see what you're up to? Sure. So I am Power of the Forehead on almost all social media. That's all smashed together. That's a whole backstory, but it's Power of the Forehead smashed together on Instagram, TikTok. I, I don't know if that's my thing on Reddit or not, but <laughs> all sorts of different things. I am more than willing to speak to just about anybody that would like to learn it a little bit more, especially if you are an artist who is visually impaired or blind, please reach out to me. I'd love to get a little bit of a community started and going. So that'd be wonderful. Awesome. Well, I feel like that is, I feel like we've hit all our bases. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show today. The Grace Squared interview was as oh, yes. awesome as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> And yeah, for everybody who's listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next week. Make sure to follow Grace on whatever. And yeah, see you around. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Able Voices is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the founding managing director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez del Campo. The intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. Kai and Sebastian are students in the arts education programs at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. If you would like to learn more about our work, find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-A-E, or email us at B-I-A-A-E at berkeley, that's L-E-E, dot E-D-U.